Welcome to No Wrong Answers, the podcast that gives you a teacherly take on the world. I'm your host, Kyle Palmer. We are still in the middle of a brief summer break following the wrap-up of Season 2, but we did want to tape a special episode in response to the U.S. Supreme Court's recent decision, which promises to have a major impact on teachers' unions. The 5-4 to four ruling in the Janus case overturns a 41-year-old precedent and prohibits public sector unions like teachers' unions from collecting what are known as fair share or agency fees from workers who have chosen not to formally join a union but can still be represented when it comes to things like collective bargaining. The majority of conservative justices on the high court ruled such fees violate the free speech rights of workers who may not support the political causes of their unions. Critics of the decision say it will lead to a mass exodus of dues-paying members as it emboldens so-called free riders who may want the benefits of having union protections but don't want to pay for it. So we wanted to hear how this may affect teachers unions in different states. And we have convened a group of teachers by phone. We should say they're all members of the National Education Association. And as we take this, they are all currently in Minneapolis for the NEA's annual convention. And I want to introduce them. One voice you may know already, Rebecca McIntosh. Introduce yourself. I'm an alternative school teacher outside Kansas City, Missouri. And she is joined today by Joe Bento. Joe, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself as well? Yeah, my name is Joe Benno. I'm from Washington State. I teach just south of Seattle, and I'm happy to be here. And a third teacher, Scott Miller as well. Scott, go ahead and say hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Miller from Orange County, California, and I teach fifth grade. Uh, First, I just wanted to get some basics out of the way. Can you all just explain what agency fees or fair share fees are and and how they affect your unions? What it says is that everyone's going to pay their share for bargaining, and we all pay the same amount of dues. However, the people who don't want their dues dollars going to political action, they are called agency fee payers. So they will still pay, and we keep track all year long of all the costs that's associated with bargaining our contracts. And that money that is collected from them, initially, we keep it in trust. Part of that money also gets donated to charity of their of the choice that they have that's negotiated with their school district. And then at the end of the year, after we, we look up the chargeables for bargaining, then part, part of that money is actually refunded um, from that trust account that's, that's set up for them. And I can tell you they're very few agency fee pairs, at least where I come from, and I was local treasurer of the largest teachers association in Orange County. I think I had five members out of 3,000 who were agency fee and, payers. And, and again, just because the agency fee payers are, are the people who just want their money going towards things like collective bargaining. They don't want to pay for you know, so-called political activity. I, explain why there is such a fear that, I think, as expressed by a lot of critics of this decision, that there will be kind of an exodus of, of members from, from unions following this decision, even though, as you explained earlier, such a very small percentage of your unions right now are these agency fee payers. Why is there the fear that, that it could have a much uh, broader ramification beyond just those agency fee payers? Well, I mean, how, how political can I get in this conversation? Because oh. I, could, I could tell you, like, the political reason. Fire away. <laughs> fire fire <laughs> away. Go, let her rip. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like if we like, there's going to be some major withdraw your membership campaigns, and in Washington State, we've already seen some members get a, some emails from local agencies or local local groups saying, "Hey, you can now save a thousand dollars a year, and your union will still have to represent you." For a for a newer teacher who is just starting their career, 
$1,000 means a lot to paying student loans, to paying debt. And they're like, oh, well, I don't have to join the union then. So then I can save some money. But ultimately, um, these anti-union groups that are trying to do that are trying to dismantle unions, which is very worrisome. But also, like, there's not education about what unions do. In our country, our un- people who join unions compared to other countries around the world is definitely really low. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what unions are, what unions do. But obviously, like, we want people to be in the union because we want them to be protected. Well, they may not pay, and they'll still get the services because they, they still won't have to pay, but they won't get the benefits of the union if they don't join the union, which is very worrisome. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and the other group of people who will uh, initially drop will be people who are probably within their last five years of work because they're going to also see it as a, as a $1,000 pay increase. So look at me. I've got you know, all this extra money, and I don't need to worry about union representation because I'm going to retire in a few years. And that's a dangerous place to be because you don't know what's going to happen during those, those last few years of your job. Uh, to not have the benefits that the union provides. But to be very clear, this decision is not going to make unions go away. In fact, this is, this is a great organizing tool. We know how to organize. This is an attack on the middle class of people who supported Trump. We know how to organize, and we're going to use that opportunity to grow membership. People are still going to join, and people are going to see when, when somehow they don't have a benefit that, oh, this is why. We'll go through that. We've been planning for this for years, and we have made sure that, you know, things are going to go. And we're not, we're not going to give up. We're not going to keep, we're not going to stop representing people. We're not going to stop having rallies. We're not going to stop supporting presidential candidates that have public education in, in, uh, in the forefront for their campaigns. We're just not going to stop. It will change, certainly, but it will make us stronger in the long run because members will then see the value rather than being forced or however they look at it because they're not going to have the protections that they have always had. And unions have done more for even non-members of other other sectors by giving them a a 40-hour work week, an eight-hour work day, weekends off, children aren't in factories. Those were all because of unions that built our country. So we've got to remember that we're not going anywhere. We're yeah. just going to get stronger. Uh, Rebecca, you may well, have... I agree with... Oh, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I agree with that, too. But we also need to be, as a union, we also have to look at ourselves and figure out how we're going to organize because some of our newer members and our members who are newer to the uh, union and newer to the profession, they need to see the benefit now. And so a lot of things that we talk about with membership is NEA is a social justice organization. Young people care about social justice. They want to see us doing rallies and protests. They want to see action. While the, you know, the weekend and the eight-hour workday and whatnot are important, a lot of our millennials or younger members, they are, they've lived a life where all that stuff has been here. And so what the union needs to do is that like, we can use those arguments because they have benefited us now, but we also have to become more relevant now and talk about the professional development. If you don't join the union, the, what happens is once you start withdrawing, NEA's budget goes down and the NEA won't be able to offer as many services, the professional development, the resources, the curriculum, the services that they provide for students, the trainings, the workshops, the conferences, those cost money. And so if people are not uh, members, 
our budget's going to go down. We're not going to be able to offer as much. So people are worried about what the union is doing or what the union's providing. If they don't join, those services are going to go down. And so we need to let people know, like, NEA is very social justice oriented. We care about people. We're doing a rally today about immigration. Like, it's important. Those things are part of our core values. And then we have to become more relevant to members today of what issues are happening. Whether, no matter what your politics are, they have, people have to see themselves in the union. And that means they have to participate in the union. And by doing these things, and we have to be more relevant. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what are we doing? Are we doing things just because that's the way we've always done them? Or do we need to change some things so that we can rally all of our members? Yeah, Joe, I mean, to, to, you're making an interesting point. So to kind of paraphrase what you're saying, if I may, it almost sounds like this Janice decision is making you focus more on what your message is. I mean, I think I, I've seen that in a lot of conservative commentary and even alluded to in Justice Samuel Alito's majority opinion in the Janus case was that, you know, unions now need to think about what their their message is because if this is, they can't, they can no longer rely on just this this automatic agency fee structure. But you're saying it might it might focus you more politically. In fact, make you more political. Oh, correct. I think so. And it just... But it also has to make us look at what, what mountain are we going to die on. And it's hard because it's, if people are like, well, I'm not going to be part of the union. But like, ooh, like I hear that you care about, you talk about climate change and you talk about sexual orientation at your national conferences. And I'm not comfortable with that. So I'm going to use that to withdraw my membership. Well, good. Like if you, if you have problems with that, that's part of NEA's core values. But NEA has to figure out where they are and kind of what mountain are they going to die on when it comes to issues. And that requires us to kind of look at our messaging and look at what we stand for. And we stand for social justice. We stand for students. We stand for supporting our educators. So NEA has to have some hard conversations as we organize in the upcoming months. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, you've been standing on a mountain the last year because that's when uh, Missouri passed right to work. Uh, I want to talk about kind of the the effect that's had on you and your state. You know, in states like Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, teacher union membership declined dramatically after right to work laws were passed there in 2011 and 2012. Um, the NEA um, has predicted that it will lose more than 300,000 dues-paying teachers nationally after the Janus decision. I guess, what has been the effect in Missouri since that state passed right to work? And is ha- has your experience, uh, could it be extrapolated? And, and could you have any conclusions that other states now um, could look at? It's been an interesting process in Missouri because um, not only did we cope with the so-called right to work on you know, coming to us in various forms, but we've also had legislative action. You know, in state houses across the country, the way unions bargain is determined through agreements at the state level. So not only did we have so-called right to work passed, but then we had some legislative issues come through, House Bill 1413, that took another crack at um, union activity and removed some of the um, mechanisms that districts had to interact and bargain with their educators. And so we're seeing that across the country as well. The bigger impact for us is going to come from, most recently, House Bill 1413, where there has been direct guidelines now put in about payroll deduction for dues, um, when we can conduct union activity, how districts can interact, um, what we're going to be allowed to discuss with districts. So that's a much bigger sledgehammer coming at us um, locally, and that's happening in other states as well, because legislatively, the guidelines are written at the state level, and so our members have to be completely um, aware of what what is moving statewide so that they can have some 
um, relationship or collaboration with their districts uh, post-Janus. So what do you think? Because you, what, ultimately, ultimately oh. that's going to affect students. I mean, when you're talking about bargaining, you're not talking about just paychecks. You're talking about what you're doing in your job, in your classroom, and this has direct impact on students because if, if, we, if there's a list of things we can't talk about, and that's the truly scary part of Janice, is they articulated a list of things that they didn't like us talking about. Climate change, evolution, sexual orientation, the Confederacy. There was a laundry list of things they did not want teachers teaching, which is a whole other conversation. But when, when educators bargain with their districts, it's not just those salary and benefit conversations. It's curriculum. It is instruction. It is quality education um, and how that will be delivered to students, and that translates to student achievement. Yeah, so I mean, so you and, might be slight. I mean, Missouri and other right-to-work states, if you can call them that, are might be slightly ahead uh, of states like California and Washington that are just now kind of, well, they're not just now, but they're really now more urgently considering what the effects of this might be. I mean, what, what are your experiences in Missouri? What could be lent to teachers like Joe and Scott who are now thinking about this in a more prominent way? Well, what we've learned to do in, in, our, in our states that, are, that have had this reality for a while is, is we've learned to communicate exactly what Joe talked about. What do we offer as a union, as a professional association? What is the benefit? What is the return for a new teacher, for a veteran teacher? Why is it a value? What services do we provide? What representation can we give them that is a value, that we offer a product that is, is useful to them and productive. We've learned to market. We've learned to reach the young teacher. We've learned to reach that mid-career teacher, and, and we have to tailor those services. And um, in the states that have competing organizations, um, you know, we've learned to be nimble, to react, to compete. And so uh, that, those are all tools that we have, we've learned. We watched Wisconsin, and then we learned from the Wisconsin experience. The, when this happened in Alabama, the reaction and the response and the results were very different. They did not have catastrophic membership decline because Alabama reacted differently when they were attacked as, as Wisconsin did. So we've seen that in different places. And coincidentally, you know, as you look at the teacher activism through the past spring, all of those teacher, um, teacher-led events on the state level we're in so-called right-to-work states, and so all of our agency fee states have seen that activism happen and have learned from it. We're ready to roll. They know what to do. We've been helping them for, for many years. This has not been a surprise, um, and they know what they need to do to tailor it to their population in their state. Yeah, and Scott Miller in Orange County, California, I mean, you live in a you know notoriously red county, or it's kind of trendy more blue, but do you feel emboldened? Do you feel ready to go? Well, we, we're, we're not a stranger to rallies in Orange County. We have them all the time. Uh, so we're not giving up, and we're, 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 we're on the streets. We're, we're talking to people. We're working with our politicians. We're working with our, getting school board uh, candidates elected so that they, they understand the value. Because having, having good working conditions for educators create great learning environments for students. We know that's the fact. We see it. And that's what we need to do. We want our, ha- our, our educators protected, happy, because uh, that will benefit students in the long term. Uh, final and question. Don't, and, oh, don't, and, and we don't need to, and our, and our students know it too. Our students see our, our educators working for social justice. And, and while we're doing that, 
you know, we're, we are, we're planting that seed with them that they need to get out there and they need to speak up and not be afraid. So we, we are that role model, too, for our students. My fifth graders, I, I know that they, they, every day they walk in my room, they're talking about the news, they see what's going on. You know, and I'm very comfortable with this next generation of kids coming up because I know who they're going to be voting for and what kind of society they want because it's being destroyed now. Uh, final question as we wrap up. I mean, you know, the, the conversation that we've had and some of the points that you've made um, reminded me of some of the things that I heard um, both our teachers and just more in general say after the, the Trump election that um, I don't think a lot of progressives called it a good thing, but at the very least they said that it kind of galvanized a movement, galvanized people who might have been uh, turned off from political activism or tuned out before. Um, could you make the same analogy to the Janus decision with teachers' unions that it, you wouldn't call it a good thing, but that it does um, have a or is having a, a galvanizing effect on you? I would say that that's accurate, and I think it helps us, um, especially for people who don't work in the public sector, it helps us draw a line directly between elections and the consequences. And we can draw a line between the selections that are made at every level, municipal, state, and federal, that, you know, who gets to sit as a judge and who gets to sit on your school board and the decisions that affect the kids that you are sending to our schoolhouses um, happen when you vote. And so it does help us connect all those pieces, that it's not just a political ad on TV. It has a direct impact on your paycheck and your students and our communities. And we have to, to look at that broader picture and then activate people to understand that elections have consequences and be sure they have the right information when they go into that voting booth. And now, what organize, organizing is is what what it really is organizing. It's building relationships. And if and if Janice helps us meet somebody new that we, maybe we didn't agree on something, but we find common ground because we all agree that something else is wrong, that it's it's actually a gift in a way for us because as Joe or or and Rebecca said, organizing's in our blood. We know how to do this. And we're great at building relationships. That's what we do every single day when we walk in our classroom. We're good at that. So it, in a way, it's a gift. You know, we had Janice on Wednesday, we had, and then we had the Supreme Court nomination or, or retirement announced. That's scarier than Janice. So it, every day it's something new. We will get through this, and a lot of it's just a distraction. But you know what? Like the song says, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. That's, this is going to make us stronger in the long run. Well, that's uh, Scott Miller. He's a teacher in Orange County, California. We were also joined by Joe Bento, a teacher in Washington State, and Rebecca McIntosh, a frequent uh, panelist here on No Wrong Answers, a teacher in Missouri, all three of them. Uh, uh, teachers Union officials, they're meeting in Minneapolis. They all called in. Uh, and thank you to the listeners for joining us on this special episode of No Wrong Answers. A reminder, new episodes of No Wrong Answers Season 3 should start appearing soon in your feed, so keep checking for that on iTunes or Apple Podcasts is what it's now called, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, remember, kids, be nice to your teachers. <laughs>